Let's start with prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much that you are here with us today. Thank you, Jesus, that you came all those years ago and you showed us what the Father was really like. And Lord, I just pray that this morning, as we come to look at your word, we will have open hearts, open minds to all that you want to say to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you have the first slide? That's great, thank you. So, Christmas is coming, that's no news to anyone, is it? The shops are full of tinsel and trees and all the usual trimmings. Um, I think I'm getting a little bit like, I've had a lot of Christmases now and it's just like the excitement's worn off a bit and it's kind of all about getting the cards written, getting the tree down from the loft, putting the decorations up and doing all those myriad of things that women have to do at this time of year to prepare for Christmas. But it is really an exciting time, isn't it? Even if we do get a little bit jaded with all the work that it it requires. Um, This morning, we're going to be looking at... Whoops, am I going the right way? There we are. Anticipation of the Messiah. Anticipation is a word that talks all about expectation, doesn't it? And it's usually used in a very positive way. And it's expectation that keeps our children awake on Christmas Eve, isn't it? Big children and grown-up children alike. And we just like, when we talk about anticipation, we're waiting for something to happen. And we're looking forward to something happening, aren't we? And in the Old Testament, the Jews were really looking forward to their Messiah coming. They saw him as a king, like their King David in the Old Testament. They saw him as someone who was going to sort out those Romans who'd come and taken over their land and were everywhere. They saw him as going to be someone who's mighty and going to usher in God's kingdom so that the whole earth will be changed and look like what God wants it to look like. So the Jews were desperately waiting for their Messiah and some, some of them are still waiting today. So we're going to talk about what, first of all, what is Messiah? Messiah. In the Old Testament, in, in Hebrew, you would have said Hamashiach, the, the Messiah. And that is the Hebrew term. Exactly the same term in the New Testament is we use Christ instead. And when we talk about anointing, we're talking about anointing just means rubbing or smearing. So when you go on holiday and you put all your stuff on to try and not catch the sun, not get burnt, you're kind of anointing yourself. It's quite an ordinary sort of word. Um, It means to smear or to rub in. In the Old Testament, kings were anointed and priests were anointed. Um, Some prophets were anointed, but not necessarily all. And um, we have come to understand that this Messiah is the one who is going to come. He will be anointed by God. He will have power on him. The expectations which the the Jews had didn't quite match what Jesus looked like. But he he came to teach them what that would be about. I'll say a little bit more about that. Um, 
In their New Testament, they use the word Christ all the time. It literally, if they were talking in Aramaic or in Hebrew, they would have used Messiah. So, if you've got a, uh, I've got a Jewish Bible at home, and every time it, it, it is translated Christ in our normal Bibles, he has put the word Messiah, Mashiach, instead. So, just to show that that really is the same sort of word, there are just two places in John's Gospel in the New Testament where it makes it really clear. And this is the first one. It says, Andrew went to find his brother Simon, who would later be renamed Peter by Jesus. And he says to him, we have found the Messiah. And helpfully, John puts in brackets, that is the Christ. So you know that Christ and Messiah is exactly the same thing. And when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, she says to him, I know that Messiah, and again John puts in brackets, called Christ is coming. And then Jesus says this amazing thing to her, I who speak to you am he. He's actually owning up to being the Messiah. So, very exciting. And we're going to have a look first of all at this scripture in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, it's one that we read often um, at Christmas. It's a well-known passage um, and this is where we're going to start this morning. So, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of Mary, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Very familiar words, aren't they? And today we're focusing in on the prophetic side of this. We're focusing in on the verses, all this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the prophet mentioned here was Isaiah, and the quotation is taken from chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah was writing in about 735-732 BC, something like that. And like most prophecies, when Isaiah wrote it, it would have meant something to the people at the time. But in this case, we know that it meant 
uh, has another meaning which was for later on and it means it applies to Jesus. It applies very specifically to him because he was born of this virgin Mary, this young woman who was betrothed to Joseph at this time. As I said, they didn't, the disciples were very slow to understand that there were scriptures in the Old Testament which were very specifically talking about Jesus. They were talking about the Messiah. Scriptures which they had never really understood. They'd understood all the scriptures about Jesus the Messiah coming as a king and ruling and being victorious. But there were a whole load of scriptures which Jesus had to teach them actually applied to the Messiah in his first coming. And it's interesting that after Jesus came back from the dead, one of the key things he did was to really help his, un- his disciples to understand what the Old Testament had said about him and, that, and to really make it clear that it was the Messiah. And so one of these times, um, he, he appeared to his disciples and he showed them the holes in his hands and in his feet and they were a bit scared. They thought, is it a ghost? And so he ate something to show that he wasn't actually a ghost. And then he tells us this. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ, or the Messiah, same word, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations believing at beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus had to really nail it. He had to really show them that there were a whole load of scriptures that applied to the Messiah that he had already fulfilled in his lifetime. And it must have taken him quite a while because there are more than 300 prophecies in the Old Testament which Jesus actually has now already fulfilled. So I don't know how long he must have taken teaching his disciples these things. Benny Hinn has written a book called The Lamb of God and he has listed 332 Old Testament prophecies which Jesus has already fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I find that really exciting. God really does do what he says he is going to do in spite of all the enemy's plans to stop him. And we know that Herod tried to kill Jesus when he was a little baby. We know that people didn't like him. We know that on one occasion when Jesus started his ministry, they tried to throw him off a cliff. We know that the enemy came against Jesus and he wanted to stop what he saw that God was doing through Jesus. But he can't do it. The enemy cannot do it. Um, What God has said, 
He will fulfill. And that applies to every, every promise in the Bible. God will fulfill. Look what God says in Isaiah 46, verses 10 to 11. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. What I have said, that I will, will I bring about, and what I have planned, that Will I do? I feel for me, the thing that's come out of me preparing this is just realising that sometimes we make our God too small. We think, we talk about what the enemy is doing here and what he might be doing there and, and, and we talk about the various ways that things are not working out. Um, and, and we focus on those things rather than on the God that we have aligned ourselves with. And even when we come to the Christmas story, we can get rather soppy about it. We can think about the dear little baby in the manger. We can think about the donkeys and Mary and Joseph and as if it were some kind of sweet little story. But actually... What happened was truly momentous. God, it's absolutely staggering to me that God decided that he would limit part of himself to be a fetus in Mary's womb, to be born in the normal messy way that babies are born, to come to this earth and to do all that he had planned to do. I find it momentous. And even more staggering was this than this is that he planned it all before he'd even created the world. He knew we were going to mess up. He knew that things were going to go wrong. He knew that a saviour would be needed before he had even created the world. I want to look at a few scriptures that make it really clear to us that that is the case. For you know, says Peter, that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Before the creation of the world, Jesus had agreed to come. He had agreed with the Father, yes, I can see you're going to need a saviour. I will be that saviour. You can send me. I know it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be hard. But you can send me, God. Revelation 13 verse 8 refers to Jesus as the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Ephesians 1 4 says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. He knew which one of us were going to believe in him. 
and he chose us to be his own children even before he'd made a thing. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Titus says that we have a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Wow. I mean, if that doesn't knock your socks off this morning, I don't know if anything will. I think it is absolutely amazing. And we have a God who is bigger than anything that we sometimes realise or will realise. But not only that, but at exactly the right time, God sent Jesus. Exactly the right time. Galatians 4 verse 4 says, When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And Romans 5 verse 6 says, At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Wow. God is the ruler over time. It was his idea to place Jesus at the very centre of history. Man might decide that we no longer want to call it B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. He might, man might decide that he's going to call it now before the common era, and C.E., common era. But that doesn't change a thing, because Jesus stands at the very centre of history, and God set it up that way. Everything before it leads up to Jesus. Everything after it is after Jesus. He is there at the centre of time. History is actually his story. He decides what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. We don't decide. We might try and muck things up. We might try and change things. But what Jesus and what God have decided will happen. Nothing and no one can stop God when he has decreed something to happen. (laughs) And what we know, as we're talking about anticipation of the coming of the Messiah, he has said he will come again. He has promised that he will come again. It will be different this time. No tiny baby in a a little manger tucked away somewhere, but a king who's going to take this world back and put it right under God's control where it belongs. When Jesus went back to heaven, he told the angels said to the believers who were watching him go, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Wow. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. 
and it will happen at exactly the right time, just as God has foretold in his word. Jesus had said in Luke 24:44, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Most of it, a lot of it has been fulfilled, but there is so much more to come. So much more. And every little bit of prophecy will be fulfilled. We know that because God has already fulfilled so much in sending Jesus. And if we look at the signs of the times, we'll know that certain things have already been put in place which were going to be signs of Jesus coming back, such as Israel being back in their own land. You know, sometimes we worry about things. Sometimes it seems like the world has gone mad and I increasingly feel like that. We might feel that things have gone out, got out of hand and we might wonder where God is in all this. But actually, God is still God. He is still God. He knows what he's doing. And just like when Jesus came the first time, he will come again at just the right time. We need to look at the bigger picture. We need to know that God is still on his throne and that what he purposes will happen in spite of mankind and in spite of the mess and the unbelief and everything else. God never promised that we would understand his ways. In fact, he told us quite clearly in Isaiah that as far as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my ways above yours. But the things he has revealed in prophecy, we are meant to get and we are meant to grasp. We need to trust him like we've never trusted him before. We're not people who are just waiting for Christmas to happen. Because in a sense, that's just a celebration of something that happened a long time ago, over 2,000 years ago. But we are people who are anticipating the coming of the Messiah for the second time. And it's getting ever nearer and very exciting. And so, where do we go from here? If God can take care of the big picture... If God is working all his purposes out in history, everything that he has planned from before the creation of the world, then I can tell you for sure that he can certainly take care of you and your life and the things that you need in it. He's not too busy either. He's not too busy planning how it's all going to happen and working on his long-term goals with the angels in heaven. He said, Jesus said when he came, my father is going to take care of you. He is a father. He's going to watch over you. He's going to clothe you. He's going to feed you. And I've put the pictures up to remind you. He said, just as the father feeds the birds of the air, how much more will he feed you? You're much more valuable than the birds. And if he can so clothe the lilies of the field, he can give you what you need to wear. God is amazing and he's not so remote that he doesn't care about our little stuff that we're dealing with today. Oops. 
Psalm 139 verse 16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has had his hand on your life and he's going to work his plans and his purposes out and the things that he has planned for you will come about. You need to work with him to make sure that that happens. I want you to know this morning that we have Emmanuel, God with us, here right now. And it is just amazing. And because we have God with us right now, we have no need to be fearful or anxious. He is our Father. He's taking care of us. He's, when things go difficult, he's finding a way through. When challenges come, he's there, not just beside you, but in you, giving you wisdom to know how to deal with those challenges. Our connection is with the King of Kings. That's what God with us means. doesn't just mean a cosy little feeling. It means we are connected with this God, who is the King of Kings, who created the world, and before the world had a plan to save it. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is the creator and the sustainer of this world, the one who makes the end known from the beginning, the Alpha and the the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who keeps every promise he has ever made and he is our Father. This Christmas, I, it's quite short this morning, but I just want to say this Christmas, don't make your Jesus too small. Don't just think of cosy baby in a cosy stable with mum and dad and the donkeys. Think, I am connected with this completely amazing God. I want to finish with the scripture that Joan read at the beginning. I want you to just think about this. He is the image of the invisible God. This Jesus, who we celebrate his coming at this time of year, this Jesus, who made himself little, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Notice how many times all things appear in this. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God, this is, this is Christmas for you, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Wow. And through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So my prayer for you 
this Christmas time is, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The song we sang earlier was just an awesome song. We sing it a lot in our church. I absolutely love it. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great. Your love was greater. What could separate us now? You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever our God reigns. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you this morning. Our hearts are full of praise and worship as we realise what an amazing plan you had from before time began to make people in your image and then to redeem them when they fall to buy them back and to connect again with them. Thank you, Lord, that you made yourself vulnerable. You came as that tiny baby and you decided that all your fullness would be in that baby. Lord, we just thank you for Christmas. We thank you for a time when we can stop and think. And Lord, I just pray this Christmas time, our minds and our hearts will be expanded to realise that you are the greatest thing that ever has been and ever will be and that because you came, we can be connected to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've had a plan for each one of us from before time began, that you chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Lord, we just thank you. Where Our hearts are just full of praise and thanksgiving to you. You are an awesome God. And I just pray this Christmas, Lord, that your hope and your joy will fill our hearts as never before and we'll realise who it is we've connected to and who has stooped so low so that he can lift us up. Thank you, Lord, that we are seated with you in the heavenly places. Thank you, Lord, that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you, Lord that you chose us. Thank you, Lord, that we're here today. We praise your name. We worship you, Lord. We lift up your name. Lord, deliver us from any anxiety, any fear. Help us to know that because we're connected with you, we will have everything we need and more. In Jesus' name, amen.